hello, hello. Welcome to another episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Brazil. This is the show where I get to talk about sports, I get to talk about business, and I get to talk about everything in between. Today, my special guest, I have Sarah Uran. She's the founder of the APC Agency. She's a consultant for Next Up Partners, and she's the author of the Athletes Playbook for Life. Sarah, how are you doing today? I'm good. It's Monday. I'm sitting in like the CEO chair. I feel oh, like yeah. I'm in a bubble right now <laughs> you look very powerful there i'll give you that i, I, can I don't feel know if energy. i like it or not though kind of a little creepy but that's okay i think it looks <laughs> great it gives off a great vibe i think you're doing awesome keep doing Do i need thing. like the cigar though to go with it that's like the question it i know it's about 6 40 ish where you are so i'm not gonna judge <laughs> i'm not gonna judge i don't know if there's whiskey in your coffee or whatever man yeah let's just go with coffee for now <laughs> it's monday morning you got to do what you got to do to get it right but no sarah sincerely i do appreciate you hanging out today uh, i'm very excited to get to learn a little bit more about your agency your life a lot of other things along the way obviously your book as well but the first question i have for everybody on the for the love of sports podcast is why do you love sports so much <laughs> um so that, that's a good question. Thank you. That's actually probably the easiest question I'm going to get today. Um, I think it was, I, I always start with, I think, I know it was, um, growing up that we weren't allowed to watch TV. Um, we had no video games. We had nothing like that. We just, my parents were very much be outside. My dad was very much play sports. Um, so I played anything and everything that I could to, to be an athlete. That's what I wanted to do. I always had aspirations of, uh, of, of being an athlete because that's what kind of just stuck with me. Um, when we were kids, the only time the TV went on in the house was if the Yankees were playing, if there was football on, if Notre Dame was playing and that was it. Yeah. You boo. But yeah. how do you boo the Yankees? Like they just win. Like I, right. I grew up as a winner. Yeah, I know. And I grew up as that's a jealous just younger brother. Yeah. I grew, I grew up as the jealous younger brother. Believe me. I, I know a lot of it. Don't worry. But that's pretty cool. Notre, so, I just I feel bad for all the time. I'm sorry. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. I'll I'll uh, I'll, <laughs> I'll take it and run with it. Don't worry. Um. So at Notre Dame game, isn't that crazy that no matter kind of where you are in the country, as long as you have a NBC, you kind of just get Notre Dame games. Were you guys like religious growing up? Because I know that was a huge thing. Like, oh, Catholics, we're in. Um, <laughs> we're we're just, all in. They were they were on TV, so you guys watch them all the time. Well, I think so. I, I did grow up Catholic, very Catholic. Um, from a, a I mean. Catholic to the point, right, where uh, Notre Dame was playing BC and it was the game that we lost that cost us the national championship that year to the point where we're like sitting in the car with the radio on ready to go to church and we're going to be late for church. And my my dad is like intently got the game on. My mom's like, let's just listen to the end. And he's like, no. And then we went inside to church and then you could see the priest walked out and he was shaking his head and everybody knew that Notre Dame had lost. It was like, whoa. I mean, that it was that kind of thing, right? So you didn't miss church for Notre Dame football, but you came pretty close sometimes. My um, but yeah, no, I know. I mean, I think it was it was partly the, that I think it was a lot of my dad wanted us to grow up um, surrounded by by the lessons of Lou Holtz. Um, I, I went to see Lou Holtz speak a lot when I was a kid, um, which I, to this day, I'm so grateful for. And every time he replies to an email, I'm so excited because I'm like, oh my God, it's Lou. Um, but I think it was that. And I also think my parents kind of just wanted me to grow up struggling in life. And the fact that I liked the two most hated teams in sports with the Yankees and Notre Dame football. And as soon as you left your little bubble as a kid and talked to people about sports, you realize how everybody hated those two teams so um, so intently. It's there's no gray area with those teams. You don't kind of sort of like the Yankees. 
you kind of sort of hate them on yeah. every level. Um, so it's, you know, it was a combination of both, but can't complain. My parents raised me on teams that win. Yeah, that part's nice. I mean, that's, that's the thing though. Um, and just to, just to kind of, I, I got a, I got a couple, dig, dig my claws in a couple places. I mean, that's, just, <laughs> I don't really hate Notre Dame because they haven't been good my entire life. Like, I don't even care about Notre Dame. They're just kind of on TV. Like, the most frustrating thing is watching them go like 12 and 0 against like a double 1A schedule and then go to the <laughs> national championship to get blown out. How's, does that, I'm sorry if that was a little too much, but I mean, we've seen it the last couple of times. It is yeah, what it is. It's not good. I mean, it's not good, but it's, but it's the difference between, I always say it's, it's there are differences between the Notre Dame that I watched as a kid mm-hmm. and the Notre Dame that plays now. And I just think there's, I mean, that's sports in general, right? Like athletes change, how the personality of athletes have changed over the years. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't think uh, I've, you know, obviously I've met with coach Kelly before a couple of times. Like I have like great stories because he's, he scared the crap out of me the very first time I met him and I was so intimidated and I don't know why, because he was nice, so nice and so wonderful um but there's just something about Lou you're never going to find another Lou Holtz um and I think that when you talk to and I've had obviously the 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 opportunity to not only be around the guys who played for Lou Holtz but get to to spend one-on-one time and you hear their stories and it's just so different than what we grew up on in at Notre Dame because it was different not having that type of coach there was a different dynamic and um when you hear how the guys not only do they love Holtz like a father, um, but they had so much respect for him, but they were scared out of their minds of him um, in every way, shape or form. And so it's just a different type of coaching. And I, you know, somebody asked me recently in an interview I did about the difference between Lou Holtz today and, and coaches now. And it's, would Lou Holtz, the question was, would Lou Holtz be able to coach the way that he did today? And the answer is probably not. Um, you know, I mean, he was aggressive with these guys, but he did it for their own good. And he didn't, he did it to teach them how to be men and he did it to teach them how to be better. And he created this team environment that, you know, it's a lot of times, unfortunately, I just, I don't know that we see in sports all the time. Um, so it's just different. It's different now. Um, and I don't know, to your point, it's obviously I hear it almost every single year about Notre Dame going like 12 and 0 or 11 and 1 or whatever it is, not playing a conference championship game, blah, 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 blah. Like there's every excuse in the book, but it's, you know, it is hard to watch them go up against an SEC team where you look and, and I, I think Dabo Sweeney is, is probably the, one of the best coaches in all of sports right now. Um, I think what he's doing is phenomenal. I think everybody's always talked about Nick Saban and I think Nate, Nick Saban is phenomenal at what he does, but I think Dabo's making a run, a run for it. Like it's, He's younger. He's he's different. Mm-hmm. He's using different tactics. He's and look at what he's done with that team, like consistently day in and day out. That I don't know, you know, is it? Is I don't think it's a Brian Kelly issue. I think it's just mm-hmm. a Dabo is just that good issue. Yeah, it's. I mean, there's. I don't know what they're doing. It, it's insane. I mean, the Nick Sabins, the Dabo Sweeney's of the world. Like, it's just. It's always so interesting, right? Because you get those top three teams and then whatever that fourth team is, it's kind of like a sacrificial lamb. It's like, this is the fourth totally. best team in the nation. <laughs> Good luck. Like, yeah, Good right. Luck. It's like, all right. So like, that's how big of a, like a gap there is, which I think is, just, I mean, from a, from a football standpoint, I don't care. I'm not a college. I mean, I love college football. I don't have a team used to be a Penn state fan, not quite a Penn state fan anymore. Uh, but they like, I just love the sport of football. So I watch it all. So give me the four best teams. And it's always that fourth team that just gets absolutely annihilated in those games. But 
It is what it or is. Or you like watch and you're just like fingers crossed because it yeah, it like, really could work. be it really could be miracle every time, right? Like mm-hmm. what it what did what did he say? Like, you know, nine out of ten times they're gonna beat us, but that one time, and that's all it takes. I mean, there's you've watched Alabama lose in those last two games of the season and I mean, the War Eagle, and you're like, this mm-hmm. is incredible. But, like, that's what you live for, right? Like, you yep. live for those moments of Alabama losing that one game because that team that beats them is just – they don't even know how they did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is it but, is always ridiculous. I love it. Yeah. And so, I, I don't, so, you – how cool was it when you got your acceptance letter to Notre Dame? Like, did your family just throw a party because you got in? Were you <laughs> How excited were you guys knowing that this team that you rooted for your entire life, you now get to go to that school? I mean, I think it was, it was a big deal for a lot of reasons, right? It was a big deal because that was the school that I wanted to go to. That was the school that my parents and I had agreed upon that I was going to go to. When I, I knew, I mean, you know, I knew that the first game that I went to at Notre Dame, I was in third grade and, and I just was so in awe of everything. I mean, I went to a small private school in New Jersey. And so we had men's soccer and our men's soccer team was phenomenal, always like top in the country. And, um, and so I, I got to see that side of sports, but you don't get the same kind of crowd that you get, you know, with football. And so when I had gone to my first Notre Dame game, I came home and I said, this is where I want to go. And my parents used it against me my entire uh, high school and elementary school life. Because mm-hmm. guess what? You need grades you to get into grades. Notre Dame. So, That's awesome. I mean, I turned into a complete like, okay, what do I need to do? And my mom and dad laid out for me what I had to do to get into Notre Dame, what kind of grades I needed. And uh, from freshman year on, they, uh, my guidance counselors had said to me, I was a terrible test taker. I was very much just uh, like I was, uh, I mean, I had all the qualifications to go to Notre Dame. The problem for me was always just that school just bored me. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I struggled with this challenge. But freshman year, um, I had a guidance counselor tell me that my grades were never going to be good enough to get me into Notre Dame. So for me, it was. Uh, like it, it was very much the competitive athlete kicked in and I like, it just dawned on me. I was like, Oh, these people. Okay. Yeah. They know, they know. So that's all I cared about, honestly. And I, I worked so obviously worked super hard. I, I connected with a lot of people who had gone there. I started talking to the right people and um, my cousins were, had graduated from Notre Dame. And, and so there was a lot riding on it for me. So when I got in, it was, you know, I had just gotten two acceptance letters from other schools and, and I remember sitting there going like, okay, I mean, I guess I could go there. Like that's, that's fine. And then it came and it was just, it wasn't, it, I don't even want to say it was like a celebration. It was honestly a sigh of relief mm-hmm. because you spend all this time from, I mean, I spent from third grade until my senior year of high school, like fighting for this opportunity. And so it was just more of like, oh my God, it's here. And then, then the fear starts to kick in too of like, what if it's not what I thought it was going to be? Like, what if it's different? Cause I remember like a lot of people from New Jersey, I mean, we, they don't go to the Midwest to go to school. Like we all go to Ivy league schools and, and, or we have access to all these great liberal arts schools right on the East coast. You go to Georgetown, you go to, you know, that's like Georgetown and Duke is like as far away as you go. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was a big thing. Like nobody from my high school, I think we had two people in, 10 years that had gone to Notre Dame. So it was really, it was all of a sudden the fear thing kicked in because it was a big change. I mean, the Midwest is very different than New Jersey for the record. Just a little different. Yeah. Just a little. Just a little different. Um, It's not, I guess it's not quite the same as it was. I do remember when I uh, graduated from high school, there was a lot of people 
that did kind of just go all over the country. And that's probably just a sign of the times thing. Not too many went to the Midwest, though. It was a lot of Duke, um, not maybe not a lot of Duke, but there was Duke. I mean, I went to Rutgers nice and nice and down the road, nice and easy. Um, a lot of South Carolina, a lot of warm climates. Yeah. Well, all the people wanted to get out of the uh, the winter. Yeah. Really they were really like anything before. different than and, this. Yeah. And so, of course, you go to the Midwest where the winters might suck even more because uh, there's no hills. You can't even do anything with it. So um, what were those football games like? Because I've been to some incredible. I was actually at Joe Paterno's final win as a head coach, which was probably one oh, of that the is, that's yeah, gotta be that cool. was insane. I remember that game very, very well. I mean, what were those football games like? That must have just been so much fun. I mean, it's it's an experience that you can't recreate anywhere, right? Like it's, um, you know, again, having gone as a kid, um, I remember like being so young and and I walked in and I stopped dead. And it was like the dominoes behind me because my dad was like, you got to keep walking. Mm-hmm. And I was just so blown away as to how big these guys were. Um, and it just is like, it's nonstop. I mean, you spend the first game when I was, when I, I mean, I was like 10, nine or 10. And I just remember like the, I never really stopped absorbing everything around me because I was so overwhelmed by the number of people. And this is going to, I mean, this always shocks most people when I tell them this. I didn't go to my first pro NFL game until I was like, I don't know, like four years ago. So for me, like I didn't need pro sport. I didn't Mm -hmm. need pro football because Notre Dame was better than pro football. Mm -hmm. And it was a bigger experience than pro football. And, you know, you've got all of this camaraderie that's very different, although it's probably similar to Eagles games from what I hear from Eagles fans. But like, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got an entire student body that is committed to these guys on the field. And you know, whereas in pro sports, it's just not that way. Like you just don't have that same connection with the people on the field. Um, but it's amazing. Like when I was a kid and still kind of this day, like you hear the fight song and it doesn't matter where you are. Like it still gives you that, that mm-hmm. chills and you, and it brings you back to these like crazy memories of, um, of everything that went on there. It's, it's, it's something special there. Like it just, I tell everyone like they should go at, at least one, at least one time I was, I was in New York and I met, um, I met a guy who played football with, um, Donovan McNabb at Syracuse. And, um, and he's like, I hate Notre Dame with every ounce of being in my body. But he was like, when I went to South Bend as a fan and we went to a game, he was like, I was so in love with Notre Dame and that we left the stadium. And he was like, I had to remind myself of how much I hated them (laughs) because he's like, the experience was just so cool. Yeah. There's, there's nothing like a college football experience. I mean, they're like, yeah, I've been to enough pro football games being here i've been to um you know games down at lincoln financial where the eagles play terrible terrible place i suggest no one ever go there (laughs) obviously been to metlife stadium a bunch of times giant stadium before that and yeah there's no the atmosphere the 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 energy there's nothing like it i was out in uh i lived in arizona for a couple months went to an arizona state game that was insane. And they're not even Children. good at football. No, and they just people, they just know how to party. They, exactly. They just knew how much fun they wanted to have. And it was just like seven o'clock in the morning. Let's go. We're we're here to hang out. So it was just an it was an absolute blast. As I said, been to Penn State games too, but there's nothing like college football game. Cause there's more people. There's it's less money to get in, right? The student tickets yeah. are free. Yeah. Like it's just well, I guess that's that's true. Uh, but the student tickets were free, at least while the games that I went to. So it was just it was just so much more fun. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's just something about it. So yeah, I've never been to a game in South Bend. That is definitely on the One checklist, day. though. I can promise you that. Yeah, you got to do it. They, I mean, I wouldn't go in 2020. I don't know that you're allowed, yeah. but no, no it just, it, it, it's a different, 
I mean, I, my mom tells the story and it's, it was like, I mean, it was pouring rain. She only came to South Bend to visit me once and it was pouring, pouring rain. And cause I, I just, I had siblings, right? So it was like, they had stuff going on and, and whatnot. So she, it's, it's pouring, pouring rain. She is miserable. I have the picture downstairs of her and my brother just drenched and like in raincoats. And um, my roommate texted, my roommate had come over and she had texted me and she's like, Hey, I saw your mom. Your mom's pretty annoyed that you haven't been over to see them. And they were like at my uncle had had a tailgate, like all the way on the other side. And I just didn't want to be bothered because it was so <laughs> far away. And so I was like, oh, fine. So my roommates and I like all got together. Like we all like trucked over there. But we had started tailgating at 6 a.m. And I had no raincoat. I was dripping. I was not sober. And mm-hmm. I get mm-hmm. there and I literally, but I will never forget the look of death that I got from my mother. And I, and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, what are you, what are you talking about? You I don't understand. Doing, I'm so confused. <laughs> and, and she's just like, how long have you been out here? And I was like, I don't know, probably like five or six hours. And then she was like taking off her raincoat, giving me her raincoat. She's like, you're going to get sick. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's like, we're good. We're good. Sure. I was like, I was like deathly ill the next week mm-hmm. from being in the freezing cold rain for hours on end. But you just don't think about it. Worth it. Yeah. Totally everybody, worth it. everybody else was doing the same thing. Exactly. Come yeah, on. My roommates and I were all like snuggled in beds together and blankets and stuff the next like week and a half. And totally worth it didn't totally matter worth it. yeah i had an away game the next week who cared oh perfect yeah then you didn't even have to like worry too much you can just watch it on tv that's nice and easy <laughs> exactly oh, I, love, I love that that's too funny uh, i've always there's just something about college football that just i don't know what it is it's just so much i still want to go to the 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 ultimate cocktail uh game which uh, is yes. cocktail party that is georgia yep, georgia georgia Florida. clemson Greatest, Florida. greatest outdoor cocktail party. We're not allowed to call it that anymore, but I mean, we're still going to call it that. So I think it's uh, it's in Jacksonville between Georgia and Florida. Um, my cousin and a really good friend of mine are both big Florida fans. So it's always uh, it's always a game that we've been like, that just looks like a lot of fun. Like I'm yeah. not, Again, I'm not a Florida or Georgia fan, so I just want to go just because of the atmosphere because you fit 120,000 people or whatever into a stadium, have them tailgate for hours on end. I mean, it just sounds like some good stuff is going to happen. Yeah, I'd agree. A lot of good stuff that's going to happen. I support it. Thank you. Yeah, I'll let you know when we're going. How's that sound? All right, yeah. You give me a shout. I'll give you you a holler. And so while you were at Notre Dame, again, I saw this. I brought it up before. I just needed to to bring it up again. One of your first internships was at MTV. Um, (laughs) Why, I guess? Where does that come from? Nice Catholic girl. She's out in South Bend, just kind (laughs) of hanging out, doing her thing. Where does this... I mean, this was the heyday of MTV, too. This was like... What we were talking about Carson Daly, right? The, the TRL, um, Total Request Live, all that. What made you look for a job and and subsequently accept a position as an intern at MTV? I mean, I just knew. Uh, to me, I, I think I really was enamored with the glitz and glamour of just entertainment in general, um, and I just loved it because I was never around it. It it was very foreign to me. Where I think it was very normal to a lot of people. I didn't I didn't have that experience because. I just didn't watch it on TV, right? Like, I, I again, I had obviously, I knew what MTV was. I had, like, seen music videos by the, uh, when I got to college, but I, I didn't know much about it. Um, but what was interesting was I was babysitting for a family um, over the summer, and the husband worked at MTV. And so 
while all of my friends were getting their internships and all of them are like traditional, like every single one of the roommates I have, like has a very normal job of like an accountant, a lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, a software salesperson, like might be the stretch of like the craziest of all the stuff. But, um, and, uh, so I, just remember like talking to him, talking to the father and I was asking him about what he does and he was telling me and blah, blah, blah. Um, and he goes, uh, so he says to me, he's like, well, do you want to come an intern for me? And I was like, doing what? And he was like, does it matter? And I was like, Oh yeah, I guess not. Why Boy, not? I just need an internship. <laughs> and, um, and for me, it was great because all of my college roommates were going back to Chicago. Like I, again, being, being from the East coast was abnormal, um, at Notre Dame for me, at, at least it felt like it was a lot of mm-hmm. times. Like I'll, I had like four really good friends from Long Island, but that was about it. Everybody else was kind of from the Midwest. And so, you know, I was like, well, this is cool. This will give me that in and that experience of like living and play, like play and live in New York. Well, I realized really quickly when you get not when you don't get paid to do an internship, you can't live in New York city. Um, so I was living at home, commuting, bartending every night when I would get home to New Jersey. It was like, it was a, it was a very long time. I mean, I love to work. Everybody knows, everybody who knows me knows that, but I would wake up at at 6am, get on the train, go intern, get done with my internship at two, come back to New Jersey, start bartending at four 30, get home by one. And then it was like all over again. And it was just, every day was worth it because I'd get to the studio and I'd get to the, the offices and every day was just so different. Um, you know, it was advertising sales. Um, so I learned a lot about the partnerships that they had at MTV, like what they were doing. We got to do some really cool creative ones. No friends with the guys that, that hired me at MTV. Um, they're all kind of all over the place now. Some of them are, two of them are still there. They've been there forever. Um, but it's interesting. It was just like a very unique, cool experience because you got you got this welcoming to entertainment and seeing what it was and and seeing the vibe and 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 again, very similar to sports. Like I would walk into MTV at eight thirty in the morning, and the line had started for TRL to get in for that show that day, and then I'd go down and get lunch, kind of forgetting because you're living in this zombie world upstairs of like no nobody's around you, right? You don't hear anything. And then all of a sudden you get downstairs and there is just packed with people trying to get in and everybody's kind of like clawing at you because they're like, well, how do you have access? Yeah. And so it, it's this crazy world that's kind of cool. And I look at it now and it's, you know, even when I take clients to Broncos games and stuff like that, it's, it's, it's that same experience. You know, we leave a game, we come out of the tunnel and just, it's just lined with people trying to get access to something. And I think it's, it's just a different experience that, you know, I've, I've obviously had the opportunity and the luxury of having for quite a while. Um, and I, I'm grateful for it every single day, but it, it like kind of MTV kind of set me up for mm-hmm. where I am now. Cause I became very accustomed to, to that type of situation. And it's different. It's just very, I, I don't know if that makes sense. It's just yeah, no, no, no. very, very different. Yeah. I mean, it's like a, as you said, the glitz and the glam of the, like that celebrity slash entertainment industry it it comes with a lot right it, it comes with a lot and then so i do want to talk about like how did you as you said mtv kind of set you up to get there how, at what point did you realize like hey i want to work in this space like knowing how stressful it can become knowing how much work goes into it how it's really not an on off switch it's just constantly an on switch i mean you're up it's seven now at least hopefully you got <laughs> most of your coffee in you but i appreciate you uh, you know hanging out here like what is it about this 
part of the world, this like kind of subsect of an industry that made you kind of really excited to the point of starting your own business within it? I think you, <clears throat> so when I started the business, it did, the business evolved into something that yeah. I was completely not expecting it to evolve into. Um, you know, there are days where I, I wonder if I'm, I made the right <laughs> decision. Um, but, uh, happy Monday, by the uh, way, hope it's one. Of yeah. Those. And it's like, like I'm watching, um, I told you oh, my text yeah. would start and it's like, they're, they're like rolling in and I'm like, okay, which one do I want to deal with last is nice. the question. I'll, um, I'll get, you off. I'll get you off in like 15 minutes. How's that sound? No, you're fine. They, they, they hold on. Let me just text this one back. Is it anybody oh. cool? Can we break some news? I've always wanted to break news live. I've never <laughs> been able to do it, but I got close once. I had a commissioner on of a, a college um, um, conference and almost got to break some huge news, but he said he wouldn't let me do it. So kind of disappointing. Um, so if you got anything, let me know. I'm always interested. You can be a, a unanimous or anonymous. What? Anonymous. What was, what was that? Unanimous. Where did that go? I don't go? even know where the hell that came from. Anyway. <sighs> I got sorry. no news. This, this is life about cars. So eh. it's nothing exciting. Yeah, not a car um, <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, when I started this, I genuinely had started. So I, I was super fortunate. Again, I think my parents did, did so many things right. Um, and one of them was like the exposure to so many opportunities when I was a kid. And I mean, I started my first dog walking business when I was 11 years old. I got to Notre Dame. I had more cash saved than anybody else. Cause it's like all, I mean, I had, I had the whole neighborhood on lockdown for like dog sitting and dog walking, um, from 11 to 18. And then every summer, we would go up to Nantucket um, and spend the summer up there. But the rule was that if we were up there, you had to have a job. And if you weren't making money, you didn't get to stay. And it was like threat of going home to New Jersey was good enough that I was like, I'll do hey, whatever. Not that bad <laughs> here. Come on. I mean, when you get the chance I'd to I'd rather sit, be in Nantucket. Okay. I'd rather precisely. Be so, so, you know, I, uh, so I had a job up there. And, um, and so being in Nantucket, like you realize that you start – I mean, I, I got to be there for the heyday of, of Nantucket, of the evolution of Nantucket into what it is today. And a lot of that was you had a lot of people coming in that that had a lot of money who wanted this incredible experience when they got there. They didn't really know where to go for dinner. They didn't know how to get there. There were reservations. And I had worked, I worked one job from 14 to 22 up there during the summer. And then I, uh, even my internship, the year I did my internship, um, my old boss in Nantucket called me and she's like, I know you're, I know you're working all, all summer in New York, but even if you come up here for a week, can you help me out? And I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever. Why not? So like we'd go up to Nantucket here and there on weekends so I could help them out. Um, but in the process I would wait tables, I would bus tables, I would do all that stuff. So I knew all the owners of restaurants. And so what I started to find was, okay, I have all these connections with all these people to make somebody coming to Nantucket make their experience easier. So the whole premise of the business when I built it with over a winter one year um, was just a concierge service for high net worth people traveling to specific destinations. So I started with Aspen and Nantucket just because they were two that I knew, mm -hmm. two that I loved the most. Nantucket, I knew backwards and forwards. Aspen, I knew enough people because the workers from Nantucket would go to Aspen for the winter. So like I knew enough of that connection um, to be able to do both very well. And so I had all set up, like the website had launched, like my, one of my closest friends and I had traveled for two weeks, um, the website launched and I remember being, we were in Italy and she's a, uh, she owns a restaurant in Nantucket. And so we're in Italy and I was like, well, you know, I'm going to launch the website right before we go because 
then it gets some, we can kind of like mm-hmm. futz around with it. And I'm like, I don't have to worry about anything. And like, sure as hell, like we get to Italy and like my phone is nonstop. And I'm like, what just happened? And Aaron was just like, I think he started a business, but like yeah. probably at the wrong time. I was like, yeah, well, okay. So it was interesting. He started getting all these questions. It was a lot of not necessarily tech, like not necessarily mm-hmm. monetary business coming in, but it was really interesting to start seeing people who were seeing the site and all that kind of stuff. So I, uh, so we did that. And then I had, um, uh, I had a call from a restaurant or a bar owner in Nantucket. He said, my buddy's coming out. Can you help him and his family? It's their first time coming here, him, his wife and his daughter. And I was like, yeah, sure. Sounds good. So I get on the, I, he sends me an introduction text and it's Steve Levy from ESPN. And, and I'm like, like the Steve Levy. And he was like, that that's me. I was like, Oh, all right, cool. Um, so I got to know him and his family, obviously very well. And he, after his trip was like, well, you know, like, why don't you come out to Bristol and meet some people in Bristol and see if you can grow your business through people that I know. And blah, blah. I was like, all right, like, yeah, that sounds good. So I like got on a flight to Bristol a couple of days later and went and met people there. And I realized like, it took me right back to those like MTV days of like, I love this life. I love this, like kind of flashy and not flashy in a, that kind of way. I mean, you Mm -hmm. find me most days in a bunch of Lululemon. So it's not like I'm super glitzy all the time, but I loved the idea of it. And, um, I loved being around these people who wanted to talk about sports. And it was honestly, um, back to your earlier reference, I had gone to ESPN right uh, the second time I went, yeah, no, it was the first time I went, um, Notre Dame was playing Alabama, um, in the oh. national championship game. So this is like 10 years ago, 2012, 12. Right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I that think. makes sense. Eight years ago, maybe nine years ago. Anyway, so right. I'd gone out there and I, um, uh, the guy I was meeting with had just like called me, they called me up again, the elevator, I'm in the elevator with Jesse Palmer. And, um, and I look at Jesse Palmer and he's like, he's like taking notes and he looks at me and he's like, he, he, he looks at me and he said something about football. And I just looked at him and I was like, I was like, are you going on air right now? And he was like, yeah. He's like, he's like, we're going on air to talk about the national championship game. And I was like, and you're going to pick Notre Dame. Right. And he just started laughing and he looks at me and he was like, you're crazy. Right. And I was like, well, that's mean. And he was like, there's no chance Notre Dame's beating Alabama. And like, so we're sitting there talking about it. We get off the elevator and the guy that I'm meeting manages all the, at that time managed all the talent for ESPN. Mm-hmm. So we get off and there's Jesse Palmer and I like arguing with one another. And Jerry looks at me and he's like, seriously, you haven't even been in the building for like mm-hmm. 10 minutes. And I was like, but I don't understand that like nobody's picking Notre Dame. And he started laughing. He's like, nobody's picking Notre Dame. I was mm-hmm. like, well, this is just ridiculous. And so, yeah, Jesse said, he was like, why don't you, why don't you shoot me a text? after the game and i was like okay yeah i got you and so i went down the i was at that game. i was at that game fortunately did not buy tickets to that game but i remember texting him like three days later and i was like notre dame came close mm-hmm. <laughs> oh it was a good time did they, did that they was, cover the spread i don't even think they covered the spread it was like i think it was like 300 to zero in the first quarter it was bad it wasn't great it wasn't good but you were there right i mean i was second. in the parking lot okay Still cool. Sure. I'm, I, as soon as Alabama scored their first two touchdowns, I went back to the hotel. Oh, well, I can understand that. And I guess, like, <laughs> what is it? Uh, like, wh- how how do you get comfortable 
in those situations, right? Like, it seems like you just started talking to Jesse Palmer, former Giants great. But like, how how do you just, how did you develop that? Because I feel like most people, if they start seeing people that they've met on TV or they start seeing some of their favorite athletes, it's kind of like, you know, fanboy, fangirl kind of moment. You kind of freeze up and, oh my God, I'm talking to Jesse Palmer. Like he's, I see Jesse Palmer on TV every weekend. Like, how do you get comfortable in those types of situations? Or is that just something that you just kind of comes natural for you? I think it just comes natural. I just think I'm very unfazed by it these days. I think athletes are different. Um, There probably are a few that would make me, I mean, everybody knows like my number one, my, uh, my number one, (laughs) my, my number one is is Derek Jeter. Not surprising to anybody, not surprising to anybody. Um, but then I, it was interesting. Like I started working with, um, a couple of Yankee players and, um, even that changed for me, you know, like I didn't meet Derek, but I, it's like, I've been around a lot of guys who are, I've been around some of his closest friends and I just, it, it's just different. I, I don't know. Like for me, athletes are just like you and I. Um, and I think that's just because I've been around them so much and so often. And, and so, and again, it's, it's just such a, it's such an amazing experience. I'm so that I am so grateful for that. Each person I meet takes me around a new, a new group of them. And so you get exposed to so many different levels of, of talent and they are, they are incredible at what they do, but it's, it's one of those, it's like, you have to have as big of an ego as them to walk in a room with them. And I think that's the, I know what I do for a living and I know how good I am. And I know how beneficial I am to people like them that if you don't have that swagger or that attitude with them, they're never going to talk to you. They're never going to open their door to you. Like, you know, the it's, it's, it's hard. I, I believe that there are very few people who are very good at what I do for them. And it's not for any other reason other than I'm not a fan boy of it. I am like, okay, let's get down to business. Like, what do you need? Um, and there's a couple of women that I have spoken to in this, who are older than I am, who have a more, I want to say it's not even a a clientele. It's that they have like one or two that they work with like wholeheartedly Mm full-time, which I just never wanted to do. I wanted mine to be a business, not a one-on-one personal assistant to an athlete. Um, But when I've watched them and I've seen them and I've talked to them, they are phenomenal at what they do. And it's just a huge part of it is the level of respect that they command um, from these athletes is that they've put themselves in a position of not that they're smarter than them by any means, but that they are so knowledgeable that in order for this athlete to do what they want to do in, in their sports career, in their off the field career, in their charitable giving career, they can't do it without that person. And I think what I have learned from them is just, it's straight confidence, right? It's um, being a female in sports is difficult in itself. Um, To a lot of people, to me, I've never felt that way. I've never walked in a room and felt challenged because I was a female. In fact, it's the exact opposite. I have always felt that being a female got me into doors that I maybe wouldn't have gotten into. Um, and I leverage that to my advantage all the time. But when you talk to these athletes, like they're normal human beings, it, it's just, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just different. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I think one of the biggest ones for me has always been that, um, again, growing up in New Jersey, going to a school where, soccer was a big deal. You know, Tim Howard is one of my like closest, dearest friends. And, um, yeah. And I like, 
Jersey, Jersey for life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, to me, Tim is Tim, right? Like I, his soccer stuff, awesome. Like so proud of him. Like, great. You're awesome. But like the biggest thing for me is Tim is the human being and what Tim does as a human and how good he is to me, how good he is to my family, all that kind of stuff. And, and I look though, and it's like sometimes eye opening because we were traveling one, one weekend and this kid was like shaking to talk to him. And like, he's, I wasn't even paying any attention. We're standing in a store shopping and I turn around and this kid is like hiding behind me and he is like shaking. He's like 16 years old. And I looked at him and I was like, I was like, do you need something? Do you, do you want something? Are you okay? Like, what's up? And he was like, that, is that, is that, is that Tim Howard? I was like, it is Tim Howard. Do you know who Tim Howard is? And he starts telling me like, but it took him like a minute to like really start to talk to me and like loosen mm-hmm. up and get his bearings. And I was like, you know, what's really cool about Tim is I was like, if you ask him, for his autograph or ask him to take a picture, he's going to say yes. And he's like, I can't do that. Can't. I was like, what are you talking about? You can't do that. And he was like, I was like, I'm not asking him for you. Cause you know, he's going to laugh at me mm-hmm. if I ask him for an autograph. So I was like, you got to do it. And the kid's like, I just I don't think I can do it. And his mom's like, who is this guy? <laughs> and uh, so I was dying and Tim's just standing there, like watching all this go down. And finally the kid's like, okay, okay, I can do it. I was like, go ask him he like walked up and he like couldn't get the words out. And Tim's like, come on, bro. Just ask. Come on. (laughs) And the kid was, the kid was so funny. Like we wound up talking to him and his mom for a bit. And it was like, the kid was just so ecstatic, but, um, it's experiences like that that are the coolest Mm -hmm. thing in the world. It just is, you know, again, you sometimes take them for granted. And I love moments like that because those are the ones that are like really, truly changing. And, and Tim does so much with, um, Tourette syndrome and, so I've been gotten to be around him doing that for the last like four years, three years when he was in Colorado. And, you know, some of the kids that we would meet, it was incredible the impact these athletes can have. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons that I stick with what I'm doing is because you get to see that on a daily basis and you get to realize like, again, Tim being my friend, um, not a client, but just a friend, mm-hmm. it's very different where, you know, you do get to, you get to be a part of this. I took one of my clients to, um, a global down syndrome event last year and it was so amazing to see the stuff that we could do and the impact he had in such a short period of time. Um, and you know, it's for him, it was even, he was blown away. Like we did, he like it totally off the cuff got up on stage and for us, an auction item. And he was, looked at me, he's like, why did you just offer me up to do this? And I was like, you'd be fine. Like what's the worst that happens? It's like, you got Terrell Davis up there. You got Laura Linney up there. You got Henry Winkler up there. Jamie Fox is up there. And he's like, nobody's, nobody's going to bid on what I'm going to, on anything that I have to offer. And every, we did soccer lessons for kids and Mm -hmm. it went for the exact same price as watching a football game with Terrell Davis. And I was like, what are you talking about? See, like people know who you are. Mm -hmm. Just go. That's awesome. That is, (laughs) But it's like, that's the cool stuff. Yeah. It's it's those moments, as you said, you know, that 16 year old kid, he will, I promise you never, ever, ever forget that. (laughs) I mean, he might not remember the interaction he had with you specifically, but the two hour part, Right. No, I'm kidding, of course. But I think just the fact that, you know, these athletes, again, you you have such a good relationship with so many of them and you kind of just we're just friends. Right. You've just known Tim Howard, just kind of cool. And then you can see this happen and it kind of puts you back and just realize like, hey, wait a second. We're doing some really cool stuff here. Like, let's let's remember that it's not just 
you know, hey, I liked him. He's a good guy. It's how much impact, as you said, that he's been able to do. And and so I guess I have two questions. One, what does APC stand for? And two is, as you said, the evolution of the business has changed. What exactly do you do now? So when I first started the business, the website was a private concierge.com. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kept the name because I didn't want to buy a new URL. Love it. 12 so, bucks, 12 bucks. Yeah. I'll demo you the money if you want another one though. I was Go like, I uh, I'm not changing the name. Like, screw that. So I started to realize that when you used to give out the email address, a private concierge.com, like it was really hard because nobody knows how to spell. Mm-hmm. Um, to be fair, I didn't know how to spell concierge for a really long time. So then the other thing that started to drive me crazy is everybody had a concierge. So you would get like your health insurance all of a sudden was providing you a concierge service, like all this stuff. And I was like, who are these people? And why is this like the new rage all of a sudden? So my athletes used to, uh, just call me APC and they would be like, and, and so I was saved in all of their phones as Sarah APC. So I was like, all right, fine. I'll spend another $15, um, with GoDaddy and change the name. So I did it to the APC agency, the agency part. I really didn't like, but all the guys were like, yeah, do people get it? But I mean, it did con- conflicting a little bit with some of the agents that I do work with where I was like, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. And then you realize like, once people know you, it's irrelevant. Yeah. Like I've always told people, even guys who I do brand stories with a lot of the players that I work with and the naming becomes such an obsession. And I'm like, the name doesn't have to mean anything to anybody else. If it means something to you, we can write the story so that it means something to other people. And they were like, okay. And that's all it is, right? Like, to me, it's, I didn't want to change the evolution of the business was important enough to me that like, why not keep it the same from the very beginning and and just change it as I go. Like I was APC lifestyle for a year. Didn't like that one. Um, and then I just switched it to the APC agency because I was like, there's nothing to not like about it. Right. Like it's, it's very basic. Mm-hmm. I, I don't, I don't think there's anything super amazing about it, but at the same time it does the job. That's like really all I care about is that I have a work email address so that people know I'm not using my Gmail account. Nice. <laughs> it's yeah. kind of like the only thing, but I mean, the evolution of the business really, it, it it's changed, but it hasn't changed that much. The clientele has changed a little bit. Um, but I mean, essentially it's a, it's a personal assistant service for athletes. Um, it's, it's anything that they need when they need it. Like I, I pride myself. I actually pride myself to the point of, of athletic competition on the fact that when somebody has a problem, there's a solution. Um, so really the business is based on that. It's, it's finding solutions and, um, and that's all that's, that's, you know, you have, I had a client, uh, God, like a month and a half ago, like his girlfriend's birthday. Like, you know, he's like, listen, he's like, she's not talking to me. Can you go and do this? Can you see if you can do this, 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 and this? It's like, we got, you know, I found out where her dinner reservation was like, fix it. It, it's just like all the little mm-hmm. stuff. Right. Um, but the entire business model is based on the fact that when you eliminate distractions off the field, you increase performance on the field. So I really play like life shrink to most of these guys, but it's when you start to solve all their problems, it takes away every excuse for them not to perform. So I see such a huge value in that because I've seen the productivity. Like if your life is chaos off the field, you're going to play like Mm -hmm. your life is chaos off the field because you cannot eliminate every distraction just by stepping on the field. You just can't. You could probably eliminate one stressful situation by getting out there and playing sports, but you can't eliminate them all. But what if you had somebody take care, taking care of everything behind the scenes so that you don't have to worry? So you go home to your wife and your baby and everything's already taken care of and you can actually enjoy them rather than 
getting home, realizing like you've got 17 different things to do in order for your day to be productive. Like it's, it's a very difficult, it's just a very difficult mm. situation that you've got to, um, that the guys who are aware of it are very keen on, on resolving those issues because they know that there's a value and there's a connection between that and performance. And so how, how does, how does that type of business scale, right? Like, obviously you want to bring on more and more athletes, <laughs> but how, how many, how many Sarah's are there? Like, as you said, you've already received, again, we're at like seven thirty in the morning and you, you keep looking at your computer. Thankfully you are still paying attention. So I do appreciate that. And we're having a nice conversation here, but I'm like only how, at, I'm only at 17. I'm only see, at 17. That's not that bad. That's not that bad. So like, but like how, what, it, what is a day in the life like? Cause it just sounds like you're just running around doing a lot of things for a lot of different athletes. How do you keep this straight? How do you make sure you have all, you know, your ducks in a row? Like how, how long did it take you to get to a point where you felt really comfortable continuing to bring on athletes to, and, and knowing that you can service the ones you currently had at the highest possible level. I mean, the key to it really is having the good, is having, uh, is having good partnerships, right? That's, that's the key. So mm -hmm. making sure that all of my athletes are taken care of by the people that I'm putting them in contact with. So one of the biggest challenges that I face is, is giving up control, right? Mm -hmm. But you realize you can't have surprised, control at all I'm time. very surprised by the, by you saying that just want to put that what? out there. That you, you don't want to give up the control. Very, very oh, yeah. shocking, shocking statement. Uh, write that one down. Um, but it's that, you know, you have to trust the people that you're giving control to. And, you know, I have less about, it's always been people ask me this question all the time. For me, it's been less about firing clients and more about getting rid of partnerships because I'm like, okay, you're going to burn that bridge. You sure? You sure that's the one that you want to burn? Peace. Um, and, and then there's always somebody right behind them. Like I can do that job. I'm like, okay, cool. So the thing for me is if, if I had to do everything, um, yeah, I'd struggle. Like right now I'm in the process. It's funny. I have this guy who's helping me build this app and I was supposed to get him all this information like two, two, three weeks ago now, maybe, maybe, maybe a month ago. I just haven't had time. I had him design it. Now he's like freaking out that I'm not talking to him anymore. But, um, so making it more serviceable, is, is key. But to me, a lot of it is just being able to reply to texts. It's being able to get on the phone. Challenge is like, there are days where, um, like off seasons are the hardest for me. Um, which is kind of nice how the off seasons don't overlap too, too much mm -hmm. because it's the off season. That's the hard part. When an athlete has downtime, that's when stuff gets real and that's when challenges arise. Right. So during this time, like for me with the NFL playing a lot less stuff going on, there's like, Daily, like today, it's a matter of getting car to point A to point B, like no big deal. Um, but that's on top of like seven other meetings that I'm trying to navigate through. And, um, you know, like I tell people all the time, like I, I'm a runner. I, I run to stay, to stay sane. I, it's the one part of my life that I won't concede. Um, and, you know, guys will call me. I'll be on my AirPods running and they'll call me and I'll talk to them. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, do you want to talk to me or not talk to me? It's up to you. They're like, okay, well, I just, just one question. I'm like, cool, go. <laughs> um, but you know, you've got to find your balance. Like I, I tell them they all know my boundaries. They're all really good about it. Um, I stop replying to their texts at, at eight 30 at night, every night. And they know that I'll reply by seven or eight in the morning. Um, but they don't expect anything sooner. Right. So it's, you know, boundaries has been important, but it's also, you know, I think, and, and one of the reasons, obviously we got on this podcast with you is 
talking about the stuff with next step partners mm-hmm. and a huge part of that for guys like what I do um, is I like to evolve them into this business world of things. And, um, and it's unique, right? Like I think partnerships with athletes are very unique. I'm very protective of them. I don't think every partnership is created equal. Um, but I think a lot of what I'm trying to do with a group like next up is, okay, what makes sense? And and how do we leverage all the knowledge that these guys have in, in sports and different opportunities and take my athletes and kind of not engage them necessarily as part of the business, but engage them with some of the partnerships that are being mm-hmm. created. Because when you start to develop and when you start to bring in unique partnerships to a group of very successful sports people, I, by the way, I, I say this all the time on our, our team calls with Next Up, I'm only there for the banter. I, I don't think I'm nearly as qualified as the rest of them to be there, but like, I am more than happy to go in and just talk shit about everything. Um, but um, it's cool because what if there is these unique partnerships that, you know, my athletes and I probably never would have heard of, but you know, you've got great guys like, like Joe Dupreeze, who I've known for quite a while. Um, MBJ and Shripal, like they have these connections with, with different opportunities that are coming to the table. And all of a sudden it's like, huh, is there a monetary opportunity there? Is there an investment opportunity there? What is it? And I think, I think it's going to create some really unique stuff. And that's really why I got involved is one, I I've wanted to work with Joe forever. Cause as much as he drives me crazy, I think he's phenomenal at what he does. Um, and he went to Duke. So it's like, let's go Duke. Oh, they all went to Duke. Like, it's like, Oh God. Had the shirt I on the whole time. You brought up Duke it's before. Too, I didn't want to lift my shirt, but now you bring up Joe. It's too yeah. early. It's too early. Michael. I can't. Oh, cool. Uh, um, no, I love it. And I think what Joe is doing is so cool. Obviously, I've got to meet a bunch of the people over at Next Up at this point. And, you know, a lot of their interviews are in the past. So if you're listening to this now, make sure to check it out. But it's just I love the way that Joe was able to put this together. And it sounds like, again, you're kind of coming from the standpoint of you can add value to them because, you know, all these athletes. But also you can add a lot of value to your athletes because now, you know, all of them. And I think, again, for you to kind of be in that middle spot and being able to kind of play not play both sides that doesn't sound great um help both no, sides there we go um yeah. yeah you're you're really just adding value for everyone so why why would they not want to include you in something like this well it's it's just a it's a phenomenal group of people you know and it's like like anything it's going to take some time but i think that like we're making progress pretty quickly considering it's you know a new group and everything else and i think that there's just there's so much experience in that group of people and and so much uniqueness and you know, from day one of talking to Joe about it, I said, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to get involved is because COVID is going to change sports. Um, it's going to rotate it quite a bit on its axis and people are going to be ill prepared. But what are, what are these companies that are going to bring technology and change the, the, the way that people engage with sports or the way that people engage with a stadium? Like it's going to change inevitably, um, regardless of normal or going mm-hmm. back to normal, there's still going to be changes. And, it's like, how cool would it be to be part of the group that's getting them into the right sports organizations or into the leagues and stuff like that? And, and I just think Joe and Shripal and BJ just uh, have done a great job. And, and I think that based on my principles and my values of what I bring to the athletes and, and the idea of finding the right partnerships, um, that was one of the first things that we talked about on a call where I just said, you know, I, I'm so sick of athletes putting together these partnerships that make no sense to them, right? Like, you see some of these ads sometimes with athletes and you're like, all right, cool. Like I get it. You got paid, mm-hmm. but why? Like, yep. what is that connection? And, and if you're that hard up for money, cool, I get it. Um, go for it. But where are the people evaluating like the, 
whether or not that's good or not for your brand, where I think that what the brands that that these guys are bringing to Next Up and that they're bringing into the mix are brands that have been, um, they've been vetted. They kind of know. And it's not like, hey, we're going to push one of Sarah's athletes on them. It's like, who actually makes sense for this? And, and what can they bring to the table? And again, more importantly than anything is, what value can we provide back to that clientele? Because you also don't want to put an athlete in that situation where, you know, God forbid something negative happened to them. They, there's a negative PR story. And then all of a sudden you're the one who put that them in connection mm-hmm. with that brand. And I think, I think having those checks and balances with such an elite group of individuals at next up is super, super helpful because I think these guys have done it enough. They've seen it enough. Joe on the marketing side with monumental um, BJ with Nike. I mean, Shree Paul's done everything. So I haven't had he's, the chance to speak with Shree Paul yet, but uh, everybody keeps bringing the, the, everybody keeps bringing this person he, up. So I need to at some point. He he makes he he makes the everything everything work. He, he he's there spinning mm-hmm. the wheels in the background. Um, uh, but he is phenomenal. He worked with the, what is now the Washington Football Team. Is that the correct way to say it? I think so. I know. I'm a Giants uh, fan. I, mean, I just want them to lose anyway. I don't care what their name is. <laughs> um. So he's, you know, again, it's just, I am just very grateful that, that Joe gave me the opportunity to meet all these guys. I think it's going to be incredible. I think what it can do for me, what it can do for the athletes is, is phenomenal. And all I hope is that I can bring kind of the same type of opportunity to them, um, that they're doing for me. And so it's exciting. It's, it's, again, it's, it's a, it's a growth process and it'll take a little bit of time, but I think we're just at that tipping point where things are starting to click and, you know, we're starting to meet with some really cool opportunities. And, um, and again, I, I think when you put so many great, um, a like-minded, but be very different backgrounds together, um, you get what you expect, which is something very, very unique and creative. I love it. I think next up is doing a lot of really cool stuff. Obviously been spoke to Joe before he kind of put it all together, which was really cool. And then kind of seeing what it's been able to do over the last couple months, I think is fantastic. So Sarah, we're about out of time. Uh, I think we actually went a couple minutes over. I have like a hundred more questions, so I'm just going to hold off on those, but really do appreciate your time. Where can everybody find you if they wanted to look you up on Twitter or LinkedIn or, you know, website, where, where can everyone find you? I mean, the website is the apcagency.com. Okay. Um, one of my best friends is so used to me saying my website with it. <laughs> it's the apcagency.com, the T H E A P C Apple Paul Charlie agency.com. He's so sick of hearing me say that, but I'm like, you don't get it. I mumble. So people sometimes don't get it. So I, I heard it. You were, you were perfect. You were perfect. Yeah, there's that. I'm on uh, LinkedIn. You can just search my name. Uh, Instagram. I'm on there all the time. Um, Twitter is just, it's ever, all my handles are my full name. Cool. Oh, that's easy. Twitter. I've always got something incredibly intelligent to say. And, mm. um, and usually Instagram is usually uh, a lot of my dog. So what kind of, I know I said I was going to let you go, but what kind of dog do you have? Uh, I have a golden retriever named Bert the dog. Um, that's his full name. Yeah. His full name is Bert the dog. Uh-huh. Uh, he was just Bert. And then, everything my sister started his instagram one day and it was birth the dog and uh 
And so then everything now, like his bed, his collars, it all just says birth the dog. And when I called a book him for daycare, they're like, oh, it's birth the dog. I'm like, all right, well, I guess I guess it's stuck. Works, <laughs> works. Um, one last thing now, golden retrievers are the greatest dogs that ever existed. Um, in my opinion, there's golden retrievers and then there's dogs. Uh, and I stand by that <laughs> for the rest of my life. Uh, they're the, I mean, I'm totally biased. Yeah. I've too. only had goldens my entire life you and do. I yep. am used to Everything has dog hair on it and I'm never, it's never going to change. Worth it. Awesome. Sarah, this was absolutely incredible. Thank you so much. Sarah, you ran founder of the APC Apple Paul Charlie Agency, consultant at Next Up Partners. Oh, we didn't even get to talk about your book. Damn. See, I told you I had a million other questions. Too much Notre Dame talk. We talked about Notre Dame for too much. I'm sorry, guys. I didn't. Just tell, just tell everybody to read the book. Order it. You can order it on the website. I think there's some promo code on there right now that somebody put on. So you're good. I'll get, uh, is it an Amazon link? I'll give all the links. Everything will be in the show notes. Don't worry, everybody. I'm but. sure I'm, it's, there's an Amazon link for sure, uh, which is probably easier than ordering from the website, but it's on the website too. Do you make more money? Which way do you make more money? That's what Yeah, I'll go say. to the website. All right, there we go. Good stuff. Awesome. Don't Sarah, give really? Jeff Bezos any of my money. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time today, Sarah. I appreciate it. Thank you, Michael.